Episode 2, Trust the Process. For your reference, Romans 8 and 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and who are the called according to his purpose. Psalms 37 verse 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Process, a series of actions or steps taken in order to achieve a particular end. In the classroom with students, um, it's always a good thing when you can give a real-life scenario, when you can give an illustration. Um, And so when I think of this term process, it takes me back to the time that I first drove from Michigan to Georgia. Um, I decided to leave at night because everyone said driving at night is the best thing. There's less traffic on the road. um, And if you're driving with children, of course, your children can sleep. So I thought sounds sounds good to me. Um, I left at night. And of course, being that it was March and in Michigan, it was snowing. And as I drove down the dark highway of 23, the snow was blowing in a way that it was, um, if you're a Michigander, you already know it kind of comes towards your windshield and it feels like it's, you know, driving right at you and it's blinding you and you can barely see. And so as I continued down the road, um, I kept having feelings of wanting to turn back. I kept saying, I can't do this. This is too much. Um, My anxiety level was at an all-time high. Um, Thank God the roads weren't icy, so that was not necessarily a concern, as it was more I couldn't see. Um, As I made my way out of Michigan, and as you know, it doesn't take long to get out of Michigan, phew, thank God, no snow, but then I drove into rain. Um, And if you know anything about driving, you know that driving in the rain can be just as bad. And so, again, I'm driving at night. As I'm driving down uh, 23, I'm in areas where there are no, um, you know, there's no lighting for the highway. And so as as I switch over out of the snow and into the rain, I'm still kind of in um, a darkened area where I can barely see. And so as I continue to drive, I'm steadily saying, you know, out loud, quite emphatically, that I'm just going to turn around. I can't do this. The whole purpose for the uh, drive was because I was driving my dog down. And so um, I kept having this back and forth uh, internal struggle as well as external. Um, I can't do this. But then on the other hand, I need to do this because I need to be able to get the dog to Georgia. And so... As I continued to have this really petty argument with myself, I also continued to drive. And as I continued to drive, the Lord began to speak. And he began to show me how, you know, this is how we are in our circumstances and in our situations in life. Where um, the terrain changes. Sometimes our path feels like it's fully visible, fully lit. We know the next step. We know the direction we should take. We know, you know, kind of where things are leading us. Um unlike this last time I made the the trip from Michigan to Georgia sunny skies no bad weather everything was perfect Um, however 
I drove during the daytime. So a totally different, totally opposite of what my experience was the first time, the first time around. And so God began to show me that we often fail to trust the process. We often, um, we need to know the next move. We need to know the next step. We need to know the whys of everything. And we need every circumstance, every possible um, thing that we're going to encounter or interact with to just be perfect. We need, I needed my road down to Georgia that night to be what everyone had told me it would be, right? They told me that it would be less traffic on the road. I wouldn't have to worry about that. Um, I didn't necessarily have to worry about, you know, kids sleeping in the car, but all of these things that were beneficial to me if I took this path this way. In life, sometimes we want it that way, but that's not how it happens. Um, God's process, amen, the way that he desires that we take, the way that he desires it to look, um, doesn't always look the way that we would think it would look. And so even when I think back to the book of Job and I think back to Job's story, um, of course, his friends were giving him advice. His friends were telling him, um, you know, their opinion on the matter and their opinion on things, um, as we know. God was in full control of his situation. Job didn't find himself in his circumstance circumstances by uh, chance that God had offered him up because of the faith and the trust that God had in Job, that he would be able to go through uh, these different life situations, to be able to go through these different terrains, not knowing why, not knowing what was coming next, not being able to see the road ahead. Um, God trusted Job and knew that Job believed that Job could handle it. And of course, if you are familiar with the story, you know that Job, that he did. Uh, everything that God had taken him through and everything that God had allowed to happen to him, um, Job was able to walk through it and to come out on the other side victorious. And so, um, you know, kind of as we dig into this work of um, healing our, allowing God to heal us and to begin to unpack all of these boxes that, so to speak, that we have that are filled with our hurtful and our traumatic and our devastating experiences, um, we have to trust the process. If we have decided to trust God, if we believe that God is able to do what his word says and he is able to heal us he is able to mend the brokenhearted he is able to bring restoration he is our god of peace if we believe that then we have to be willing to trust his process um and oftentimes everything that we are in need of in the process God is ready to give us when we surrender to the process a lot of times in life we, even when we have come into a relationship with um, Jesus and, you know, we say that we trust him, we don't surrender to the process. Our us gets in the way. What we think, how we think things should be, the advice of our friends, the advice of loved ones. We take all of these things and we oftentimes unconsciously weigh them against the word of God. We because we are in human bodies, because we are in flesh, we know that the word says that our battle is to kill our flesh daily. And so, you know, this is a battle that we engage in daily. And so at times when we find ourselves in the midst of um, hurtful and traumatic circumstances, there are so many other things in our hearts, in our minds that come to war against what the word says we should do, how the word says we should handle things. And so, once we can surrender to God's process, 
all of the things that we need, he stands waiting to give. He has the healing. He has the restoration. He has the understanding. He has the wisdom, the peace. And he even has vindication. Sometimes we have found ourselves in circumstances where um, people either have done things to us um, or they have lied on us. They have slandered our name. And of course, the natural feeling is to want to be vindicated, to want the truth to be told, to want what this person has done to be exposed and put out for those to see so that people can understand why we are the way we are, why we think the way we think, why we move the way we move. We want people to know, hey, I am this way because this person has done this to me. I think like this because this person hurt me or the things that this person is telling you about me is not true. We want vindication and we we oftentimes go about that in our own way, the way that we think vindication should happen. And if we, as we surrender to the process, if we learn to just trust God, if we learn to really lean on him, not only will he give us vindication, but then he gives us an understanding to know that his vindication doesn't always look the way that we think it will look. Um, There's also a scripture in the word that says, vengeance is mine, thus said the Lord, I will repay. And so, It is also a very natural uh, feeling to want revenge for what people have done to us. We want to get back at them in some way. And sometimes it doesn't mean we want to bust the windows out of your car. Sometimes it doesn't mean that we want to put our hands on you. Sometimes we just don't want to see you progress in life. We don't want to see you prosper. We don't want to see you um, have the good things in life. We don't want to see you um, where it seems like you're you know, living a good life because of what you have done to us. That in itself is a form of vengeance. And God says that vengeance is his. And so a part of surrendering to God's process is comes this understanding that his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. And so the way that we think God should go about giving us our just due, amen, it's not always um, going to be in alignment with what we think. And sometimes as we are you know, going through these processes and God desires, desires to heal us and he desires to restore us, what gets in the way is our own thinking. What gets in the way is how we think things should go. Um, we think it's supposed to be this way. And so um, one of the um, most traumatic experiences that I've dealt with in my lifetime, um, I found myself on the other end of a book called It's Not Supposed to Be This Way. It's by Lisa Turkhurst, who is the founder of uh, the Proverbs 31 Women's Ministry. And um, I mean, this, this book really helped me during this time. And she had some quotes that really stick out to me. Um, this day. And one of them is, I know I must walk through God's process before I see his fulfilled promise. If I want his promises, I have to trust his process. And so God has made promises in his word. God also makes promises to us and he reveals them. The word says that, um, Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of men the things that God has for those that love him. But the next verse says, but he reveals them by his spirit. So God has made promises to us that he has revealed to us um, by his spirit. And um, if we truly trust him and we've, you know, we've learned that he really stands on his word and he will honor his promises and we are looking and waiting for those promises to be fulfilled we have to understand that there's a process that we have to go to 
go through and grow through in order to achieve those promises. And so when I think about Joyce Meyer, if you know anything about Joyce Meyer, uh, as, a, as a young girl, Joyce was sexually abused by her father. And she was sexually abused by her father for many, many, many years, um, actually until she decided to move out of the house. Um, her mom was aware of what was happening and she you know, for whatever reason, fear or whatever, she never really did anything to intervene or to step in or to change things. And this was a part of Joyce's process. So not only did God allow um, these horrible things to happen, not only did Joyce have to suffer and live through those things, but then Joyce also had to go through the next phase of the process, which is what this podcast wishes to tackle. She had to go through the steps of allowing God to unpack her boxes to unpack all of the hurt and the pain and the anger and the irritation and the frustration that she had compartmentalized as she was trying to live life and navigate through marriage and navigate through childbearing and child rearing and then um, the early stages of being called into her ministry. Um, she had to trust God in that process. She had to walk through that process of painfully taking out those boxes, opening them up, and then allowing herself to kind of sit in the feelings, the hurt, the anger, the pain, the devastation, the frustration. She had to actually sit in those feelings and allow God to deal with her and allow God to heal her of that hurt. And what we see on the other side of her process is a worldwide national ministry where now Joyce because we can, you know, of course we can, God can use us and we can pray for people in certain situations and we can try our best to, you know, kind of counsel and uh, minister them through these things. But there is no better or more authentic ministry than when I can speak to your situation because I've lived it. When I can minister to you and I can pray for you and I can have compassion and understanding for what you're going through or what you have gone through because I've gone through it as well. God truly is able to use his vessels and to get the glory when we have walked through the process ourselves. And so when we have allowed God to take us through the process, now we can go back and we can walk, grab someone by the hand and we can walk them through the process as well. And so Nowadays, Joyce is able to minister to women and men and children all over the world and not just speaking to um, sexual molestation, but it is a powerful part of her ministry and, and even just being able to talk to people about um, having that hurt and that anger and that pain built up and how you need to deal with it. And so there's a, uh, a quote that I've been seeing travel around Facebook that says, feeling the pain is the first step toward healing the pain. We, got, we have our stuff in those boxes because, like I said in the introduction, we don't want to feel it. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to discuss it. We don't want to relive it. We don't want to even think about it because attached to all of that is is all of the pain, all of the hurt, all of the anger, all of the resentment. And some of us have gotten really good at compartmentalizing these feelings and then trying to move on with life. And like I said in the introduction, it colors the way we see things. It colors the way we do things. And usually it does so in a way that prevents us from really being able to live a full life in Christ. But then there are those of us who we don't know how to compartmentalize. We have all of this anger, all of this hurt, all of this pain, all of this frustration, and we don't know what to do with it. And we are 
trying our best to fumble through life and we are a walking mess. Amen. And we, we, I mean, we feel the pain, we feel the anger, we, we feel every emotion and it is preventing us or it is hindering our ability to not only walk through life and really be able to function in life, but it's also preventing us from establishing that um, relationship with Christ and allowing him to come in and do the things in us that he would like to do, not just to change us and make and, and make us um, a true disciple of his, but then also the things in us that he wants to do in terms of using us for his glory. And so we have to learn how to sit in our feelings. We have to learn how to, um, through the word of God and through prayer and through fasting, we have to learn how to, when those emotions hit us, when those feelings hit us, okay, this is where I am in the moment. This is how I'm feeling. Um, and then we have to sometimes talk that thing out with God. You know, when I have those feelings come upon me, um, whether it's, you know, I'm triggered by a memory or something that I, you know, I, a realization that I didn't have before all of a sudden now it's like oh wow I didn't even realize that this is what was happening and then in that moment I'm angry all over again I'm hurt all over again I'm sad all over again our natural tendency is to figure out a way to kind of push it to the side and keep it moving and we have to learn that there's balance right so on one end of the spectrum we want to push it to the side and keep it moving and we we don't deal with it and then on the other end of the spectrum spectrum is we get crippled and paralyzed by our feelings and then we begin to waddle in it so we want balance we want to be in the middle we want to be able to realize that this is where I'm feeling in this space this is how I feel in this space and then the key to doing it God's way is to to look to the heels from whence cometh our help and say Lord I know that feeling this way um, can lead me to having thoughts that are not of you Um, I don't want to feel this way I know that this is not um, me having the full peace that you have for me. This is not me having the joy that you have for me, or just quite frankly, Lord, I don't like feeling this way. Take this away from me. Help me to deal with this. And when we learn to, um, truly cry out to him in those, in the right there in those moments, if you trust the process, you will see that in each moment that we surrender to him, he begins to deal with us. Um, in First Peter, I believe it's 5 and 9, it says, Cast your cares on him, for he cares for you. So when we learn in everything, there's nothing that God is, you know, he doesn't want to be bothered with or, you know, that's too trivial for him or he doesn't care about that. God is not that God. God is, uh, the word says that he has numbered every hair on our head. He is concerned with every fabric of our being he has created us and he has created us in his own image and so he is concerned with all of the things that concern us because in the end he wants us to be able to live a full life in him that we are able to give him glory and we are able to spread his gospel to the world and so in those moments when we have those feelings whether it's anger pain frustration irritation anxiety whatever it is if we can learn in that space um, to not waddle in it, to not push it to the side and not deal with it, to not entertain the thoughts of the enemy because he is crafty and he is cunning. And so when these feelings and these thoughts come, he's going to start to speak. He's, it's going to be like a person literally standing on the side of you and he is going to speak all of the negativity, all of the you ain't, you can't, excuse the bad grammar, but that's how he's going to speak to you. He's going to get into your head and he's going to take that 
that feeling, that emotion, and he is going to try to blow it up. And so he is going to speak to you and speak to you. We cannot entertain the thoughts of the enemy. We cannot allow him to continue to speak to our mind. In that moment, we have to sometimes rebuke him because every feeling and emotion that we have is not it's not necessarily from him but what he does is he takes this unhealed place and now he begins to torment you with it so we have to learn how to do what the word says and we have to cast that care on God because God cares about every care that you have he cares about every anxiety that you have and so we take it to him and we say um, I can remember like I said in the the traumatic experience that I just recently experienced when feelings of hatred and feel, because don't let anyone fool you into believing that you're not going to have those thoughts or those feelings because we are human and again we have an enemy and an adversary who in every way possible is trying to um, prevent us from walking in the things of God so at those times where I would begin to feel hatred trying to take root in my heart and bitterness and resentment because I truly want to surrender to the will of God and because I know the word I would literally say out of my mouth that I refuse Lord I refuse to to allow the enemy to get me to hate this person I refuse to allow the enemy to let me have bitterness I refuse to allow the enemy to let me um, you know be resentful of these people that have caused me hurt and that have caused me pain and so we have to learn how to talk it out so many times we um, you know, we pick up the phone and we call friends or we call loved ones to vent and we have to be careful in our venting. Amen. Because when we vent, when we speak certain things out loud, the enemy hears that. And so he's, it's almost like he's taking notes and he's hearing what you're saying. And those very things that you are venting about, he will come and attack you with them. He will, he will devise plans and schemes surrounding your very words. He will take your own words and then he will begin to use them against you. That's why we are always admonished to take things to God in prayer, to learn to pray in a heavenly language. And if you haven't learned how to, if you don't pray in a heavy, heavenly language, then you need to just pray in your heart. God, the word says, um, and I, it's something I always highlight because I just think it's amazing. He hears the very meditations of our heart. That means that when we haven't even expressed in words, amen, to him or to people, the things that we're feeling, the things that we desire, the things that we're struggling with, he is a God that hears the very meditations of our heart. And so you can pray in your head. God hears it because we already know he knows our every thought. He knows our request before we even ask them. But learn how to um, pray to him in your heart so that you don't give the enemy that room or that space to be able to attack you with your own thoughts. Um, so when we look at the two scriptures that, scriptures that I gave, Romans 8 and 28, of course, it's a very familiar passage of scripture that is quoted all the time. Um, and sometimes, you know, we quote scripture, we, we kind of slap it on as a band-aid without really having an understanding of what the scripture means. We try to, you know read scripture you know kind of at face value the words that we see and our understanding of the meaning of the words that we see and sometimes we need to you know really learn how to dig into a verse of scripture to really receive and understand what it is God uh, means for us to get out of it and so this verse of scripture says and we know and so when we know it really means and we believe 
we we receive it in our spirit we receive it in our heart we truly hold on to this as a fact amen that all things so every piece is meant to be a part of the puzzle every piece in Joyce's life her molestation was meant to be a piece of her puzzle of her full picture amen I'm quite sure when she experienced those dark and lonely days, she never would have imagined that God had for her a worldwide ministry. Amen. And so those uh, pieces of her puzzle, when she was really struggling with her anger and her hurt and her frustration, I'm sure she never, she didn't imagine at some point that all of these pieces of her puzzle were building this bigger picture of her going to the nations and ministering the word of God and preaching the gospel and being used as a vessel of God for him to heal and to deliver people from the things that they have experienced and and they have gone through every piece of our puzzle so when I go back to uh, my drive to Georgia every part of that the snow the rain um, the, the difficult terrain, because what I didn't get into was how once I entered into a certain point, now I'm in the mountains. My whole ride was, um, um, you know, treacherous weather. I did not have, you know, the sunny skies that I had on this most recent trip, um, nor did I just have, you know, kind of, you know, partly cloudy skies, but with no precipitation. My entire drive was filled with some sort of precipitation. So once I got into the mountains, which is, you know, kind of scary for me, and I've got these trucks that are, you know, speeding past me and the rain is, you know, it's falling. And then you get into the mountains and it's a little bit foggy. And then, you know, just all of these things that I'm trying to have to not let distract me as I am aiming towards this goal of making it to Georgia with the dog and so um, it, it was difficult but along the way God, God really was able to minister to me and then I got to a point in I think it was Kentucky or maybe Tennessee where you know I'm gripping the steering wheel and I'm just like Lord at this point of course there's no turning back I'm, I'm too far gone to turn around and to go you know back home in Michigan and so Once I kind of, I'm crossing into Tennessee and there's all of this fog and this rain and I've got this difficult terrain surrounding me, I look up and there's this huge cross. And it was like, if you can just continue to trust me, amen, if you can just continue to keep your eyes on me, just like Peter, when Jesus told him to walk on the water and Peter got distracted by the um, waves and the wind that started to blow around him and he took his eyes off Jesus, amen, It was like I looked up and that cross was there and it was like God was reminding me not just in this uh, physical journey of driving the highway, but even just in life that when the, the rain is, you know, falling and the things around you look so difficult to navigate and you got, you know, people whizzing past you as these trucks were doing. If you can just learn to keep your eyes on me. If you can just learn to remember my promises in my word, if you can just learn to remember that I will never leave you or forsake you, I will see you through this journey. Amen. And God is saying the same thing to you. If you can just learn to accept that every piece of your story, every part of your life was meant to be a part of the puzzle. The awesome thing about God is even when we make choices, amen, that are not of him, even when we um, kind of go rogue so to speak and get out there and do things our own way and try to take control of things and put our hands on the reins and you know um, I was joking with a friend yesterday and I told her I said you are not a Jesus take the wheel person you are a Jesus take the phone 
uh, give me the directions from the GPS and let me know if I'm going in the wrong direction. So even when we put Jesus in the passenger seat, he still can take that piece of the puzzle, that part of our story, and he can work it together for our good, for our advantage. So in his omniscience, in his all of his power and his authority and his sovereignty and his providence, he still can take every piece of the puzzle, even the parts that we, just like Lisa Turk curse, it's not supposed to be this way. It's not supposed to go this way. I don't want this to be a part of my story. When I had this experience last year, I told God, I understand that you are, that this is you, that you've allowed it, but why did this have to be the route that you chose? Why did this have to be what you used and, and what it had to be in order for you to, um, you know, kind of break me so that I can, you know, go forth in the next place of my destiny and have that, that anointing flow? Why did this have to be it? Why couldn't it be something else? Amen. We have to trust if we could just continue to look to him, if we continue to um, keep it in our the forefront of our mind that he is always there, he is always leading us, he is always guiding us, if we can trust that and, and believe, as it says in the beginning of that scripture, that all of it is working together for our good, then, as I said, we can, and, and we trust the process, we can really receive everything that we need to be healed, to be restored, to gain understanding from our situations and our circumstances. Some of us have, you know, suffered through some things in life that we just don't understand why. And a part of growing in God, we will we will learn that some things he reveals and gives us an understanding and some things he doesn't. But the beautiful thing about it is we're not left with, you know, this nagging why. We are left with trust in him and faith in him that, well, Lord, if you allowed it, um, it, as I've heard it said, if you brought me to it, then I know you can bring me through it. So if you've allowed this thing to happen, if you've allowed me to be in this situation or this circumstance, then I believe you can help me unpack this and you can help me heal. I believe that you can restore me. Amen. I believe that you can renew me. I believe that you will give me peace because you are that Prince of Peace. I believe that you will give me the joy that is needed because I know that the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I, I believe that if it's needed, you will find a way to vindicate me. Even if you have to show me, even if the vindication is just letting me know, this is what's being said about me, but people aren't believing it. Amen. It may not be that you stand up in the earth and say, you know, this my, my daughter is not guilty of this, but you just may move in a way that, that allows me to see what is being said about me and that people know that it's not the truth or or that this is what was done to me. And people know. People know that this is what was done to me. And they, they have grace for, you know, my snappy attitude or my my quick, you know, to be irritable. Amen. So if we can just um, learn how to recognize that every part, that all things work for our advantage. Amen. As you go into the end of that scripture, it says, um, to those who love God. And, and so this is a thing, if you've ever heard of it preached or taught, a predestined thing, a predestinated thing. God already knows those that love him. Amen. He knew from the beginning, from the foundations of the world, who would love him, who would come into relationship with him, and who would call him his own. So already, before you even made it here, he knew that you were going to love him. He knew that 
what pieces of your puzzle were going to be necessary to build the, the bigger picture of your life. And he knew that you were going to believe that it would work together for your advantage. And so just to know that God already has a certain amount of trust in you. We talk a lot about um, how we have to trust in God, even the title of this podcast, trusting the trusting his process. But we have to re- recognize that it's almost like a um, you know reciprocal type situation where not only do I trust God in the process, but God trusted me enough to bring me through the process. He trusted that Joyce would be able to um, live through those things that her father put her through so that she would then be able to come out on the other side of working through her pain and her anger and her frustration and all of those things to be able to become a vessel, a mighty vessel of his that he could use to spread the gospel to the nations. There was a certain amount of trust before you ever made it to earth. And so we have to understand that um, a lot of times we say, why me? When God is saying, just like he said to uh, Satan about Job, well, have you considered my servant Job? Why not Job? Why not you? God is saying the same thing. Why not you for this situation? Why not you for this um, trial? Why not you for this test? That is an indicator that he has trust that you're going to um, even. um, So there is a scripture where uh, Jesus tells Peter that Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. But I prayed for you that um, when you are converted, so when you go through this you know, process with Satan where he's going to sift you as wheat. And when you repent and you are changed, you'll be able to strengthen the brethren. And that's what, that's what it is for us. God allows us to go through this sifting process. He allows Satan to try his best to shake us, to destroy. God allows it. And, but God does so trusting, amen, that we will be able to go through and that we will be able to come out on the other end, giving us glory. And so, um, at the end of the scripture, it says, who are the called according to his purpose? So all of this is by God's design with his purpose in mind. And the, the wonderful thing about God is he will let us see a glimpse, but he doesn't give us our full picture. So he shows you little pieces of the puzzle. If you've ever done one of those, you know, thousand piece puzzles or even larger 10,000 piece puzzles, he, he gives you certain chunks of the puzzle. Amen. He gives you certain chunks of the picture. He puts some of those puzzle pieces together to let you see uh, small sections of your bigger picture. He, but as you continue through the process, as you continue to trust him, as you continue to yield to him, as you continue to submit to him, he then starts to put those sections, those chunks together to start revealing more and more and more of the bigger picture. So at some point, amen, he revealed to Joyce what he had for her and it didn't all make sense. And she didn't know sometimes what her next step was going to be or what it was going to look like or where provision was going to come from for what he had tasked her with, but she continued to trust the process. So like my journey from Michigan to Georgia, she continued through the rain. She continued through the snow. She continued through the darkness at the times where there was no light. She continued through that rough terrain, keeping in mind that the cross, keeping in mind Christ, keeping in mind that he was with her, keeping her eyes um, focused on him as she walked on the water. She continued through her process to be able to arrive at her destiny. And so that's the encouragement that I have for you as well, that you that you just trust God in this process. Trust 
his process. Trust that if you love him, that these things are working together for your advantage. It's for your advantage. It's for your benefit. But it's also for his purpose. Amen. So while it's working for your good, it's all working designed to get you to wherever he has purposed you to in life. Um, again, uh, Lisa Turkhurst is not supposed to be this way. One of the quotes in the book that I love, she says, your story will not be wasted. And so um, some of us are sitting right now where we have all of these, uh, you know, boxes full of this hurt, full of this pain, all these various experiences that we have gone through. And it's just like, for what? Um, I, I had someone say to me, you know, about a week ago, she said, I just keep asking God, like, what am I here for? Know that your story will not be wasted. Know that if you can learn to trust him, if you can learn to trust the process, if you can continue in him, if you can continue along the highway, along the journey, <laughs> amen, know that um, the pieces of your puzzle will not be wasted, that your story is is not for nothing, that God has designed and has allowed um, you know, these things to occur. I, I always like to use the picture of, the architect he is the master architect of your life and while satan tries to come and throw monkey wrenches into the um designs the plans that god this this elaborate plan that god has for your life um he, he has no authority he has no victory he will not be able to accomplish that and so the wonderful thing about god the amazing thing um about him is that again if we learn to continue on along the journey every every part every piece it won't be wasted i even look at just me being able to use that ana this analogy of my trip from michigan to georgia even that piece of my life wasn't wasted where i had all this anxiety and just all this like like once i got to like the point of no return at this point now it's just like i just want to get to georgia and of course it feels like i'm driving forever and it's like i'm never going to make it and so even that moment of my life has not been wasted god found a way to even use that time that little piece of my life that would seem so insignificant he was able to use it in a in a way that um gives him glory that hopefully you know people will look to him and will give him glory so know that um your story will not be wasted and you know as we go through these different things in life and as we experience these different things in life um we we have these wounds sometimes they're small sometimes they're gaping amen and um god is is seeking to through the process to heal our wounds and so it is okay if you have some scars we know that our that our savior has scars amen and the word says that when we see him again we're going to know him because we're going to see the marks in his hands and the marks in his feet and the mark in his side so um lisa has a, a quote in the book that says scars are beautiful when we see them as glorious reminders that we courageously survive so when we can get in a space amen where we can begin to unpack the hurt and the pain that we have, that when we can learn and, and, and really trust God to be able to sit in our hurt so that he can deal with us and he can deal with it. And we're left with these reminders, amen. And these reminders come in so many forms. Sometimes our children are even uh, beautiful reminders of what we have survived, amen. But when we are able to look at these these healed wounds as proof as the evidence like it says that when we see jesus this is when when um thomas uh when jesus had appeared to the 
disciples and Thomas was still doubting and he said I'm I'm only gonna believe it's you because I'm gonna see that you got them wounds in your hand and those wounds in your feet and the wounds in your side people are going to um, take us as credible amen just like Joyce when we are able to go and speak to the situations that people are in because we have experienced them there some of them are only going to believe because they're going to say show me your scars so the scars are not only the the reminder for us that we survived, but then they're evidence to other people that, wow, you went through and that God brought you through, amen, and that God got you through. And so then, again, everything is supposed to be designed to give glory to him. Now, because of the proof of your scars, amen, the proof that God brought you through, now the people will give God glory. You'll give him glory, and then the people will eventually learn to look to him and give him glory in the situation as well. So... We, you know, we have to really get in a place to allow God to begin to deal with us. And it may begin, it may mean beginning with one painful memory at a time or one painful experience at a time. Um, I know that, for example, when my mom passed, um, it, it had to, I had to really deal with some things concerning my you know lack of a relationship with her and just kind of how you know through my life um you know her absence and just dealing with you know being a child who wasn't raised by her mom but really wanted to be like that was some stuff that I had to unpack and sometimes God will put us in situations where we're forced to deal with it where where we're forced to open it up right forced to take out that suitcase for, forced to open it up forced to unpack it and really deal with it sometimes he will bring stuff smack dab in our face and that could be in the form of you know we've had this major breakup with somebody but we really need to deal with what is it about us that the enemy is able to keep attacking us with you know this this type of person or or the, these types of situations where now God has brought it smack dab to our attention and it's out of his his love for us and his grace and his mercy where he knows that if we don't deal with this we are going, going to continue falling into the same trap we're going to continue um, encountering the same type of person and we're going to continue um, experiencing the same types of hurts, like I had said in the introduction, that only just begin to be magnified and make those walls that we build up even thicker. Because it's like I just keep, you know, going through these same type of situations with a lack of understanding that it's something in us that God needs to deal with. We're trying to fill a void or we're trying to mask a hurt that only God can feel or God can heal. And so we have to really get in a space of allowing ourselves to let God do the work. Um, in her book, Lisa says, God doesn't expect us to handle this, whatever your this is. He wants us to hand it to him. He wants us, like 1 Peter 5 and 9 says, he wants us to cast our cares on him. And so we, all of the things of God are a process, amen. None of this walk is going to come overnight. All of it is a process that God in his grace and in his mercy, as you can, as you walk along the way and you continue to trust him, he gives you a little bit more. As you get to a certain place, he says, okay, now I think she's ready to, to deal with this. Where we get in the way is that we're like, no, nah, Lord, mm -mm, no, I, I, I don't want to deal with that. No, nope, I don't want to talk about that. No, nope, I don't want to heal that. And unfortunately, the church does a really good job of helping us keep those um, you know, skeletons in the closet, so to speak, or keep those boxes, you know, uh, packed away because it's like, you know what, just pray about it and keep moving. Well, yes, you need to pray 
And yes, you need to, you know, we have to continue to live life, but we have to also learn how to um, bring those things to the forefront and let God deal with them and let them heal because we can't love effectively. Amen. We can't trust God effectively. And so then we can't be moved into a, a sphere or, or um, a level where God can use us because we have almost like this unwillingness to trust him enough to really deal with our issues. And so we, we really have to allow him to show us and just like with anything in life. So if you are a person who works out, you got to make up in your mind. Now you may made up in your mind. Okay. You know what I'm, I need to lose weight. I'm going to work out. But until you actually make that first step, whether it's a change in your diet or, you know what, I'm just going, I'm, I'm going to walk around the block today, or I'm going to ride my bike to the corner today. Until you make that first step, it just remains a thought in your mind. And so it's the same thing with um, healing and with allowing God to come in and do his work. We have to start somewhere. We have to find something that we feel like we can, okay, Lord. I want to, I want to deal with this. I don't like being angry or I don't, you know, whatever it is, we, we have to start somewhere. We have to find something that we are willing to surrender to God. And then from there, as he shows himself strong, amen, then he, he, and the wonderful thing about him is if we take a step in his direction, he really will come in and, and he will do the rest. And as we continue to, um, step in his direction, he graces us, amen, um, so that now we, before we know it, we've surrendered all kinds of things that we, we thought we wouldn't be able to, we thought we wouldn't be able to deal with. We thought we wouldn't, we didn't want to heal from, we thought we didn't want to give to God. Amen. So, um, to, to kind of wrap this up, um, the process isn't always pretty. Amen. Um, the process doesn't always look the way that we would like it to look. Um, the last quote that I would like to share from Lisa Turkhurst's book, It's Not Supposed to Be This Way, says, We praise God when our normal look, when our normal looks like what we thought it would. We question God when it doesn't. And walk away from him when we have a sinking suspicion that God is the one who set fire to the hope that was holding us together. So and everything is good, we give God glory. We praise him. We honor him. My drive to Michigan on this last go-round, sunny skies. I, I, I learned that nighttime travel is not for me. So traveling during the day, everything was great. No rain, no, <laughs> no snow, of course. Everything was wonderful. That first trip, um, I had all kind of questions, all kind of reservations. I wanted to turn around. I wanted to turn back. Had I turned back, had I turned around, there's so many things that would have been lost in that moment, right? Well, first of all, the dog wouldn't have made it to Georgia. Second of all, even just the ability to use that experience to minister, I wouldn't have had that opportunity. And so some of us, when life is good, we're praising him and everything is great. We feel like we're on the top of the mountain. When things begin to not look the way we thought they should, now we, we have so many questions, so many whys. And, and, and to dispel the myth, it is okay to question God. I know that it has always been taught that you don't question God. Job had so many questions for God in the book of Job. And in the last two chapters, um, God spent answering all of Job's questions. And not in the way that Job thought he was going to answer them either. But 
You can question God. God is not intimidated by our questions. It does not um, offend him when we question him, as long as we learn to do it with reverence. But then in our questioning, where we mess up is we back away from God. We, we We shift gears. We change our course. And then that's where we mess up because then God, once we shift our course, he, he's a gentleman. He doesn't force us to do anything. He's not going to make us be healed. He's not going to make us get delivered. He's not going to make us have peace. But if we trust him and we surrender to him, then all of those things and more he will provide for us. And so a lot of the times what we'll find is God is the one, um, if you've ever watched uh, Scooby-Doo, God is the one who, if you pull the mask back, it's God. It was God that allowed it. Job had no idea that God had offered him up to Satan. Job had no idea that God had that much trust and faith in him that he said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? And it works the same way for us. A lot of the times our situations and circumstances is because it's what God has allowed. The enemy has no power to do anything that God does not allow. Now we make choices that put put us in situations that God didn't see fit. But a lot of the times the things that we go through is because it's what God has allowed, especially when there's a scripture that says, um, you know, those of us that suffer for, you know, Christ's sake, when we are suffering and we are going through because it is it is what Christ has designed. It is, it is what he has allowed. We have to learn that all of those things are working together for our good. We have to learn that, well, why does God allow these things? Why would he um, let these things happen? When we know him and trust him, and even when we don't know him and trust him, it is in his sovereignty and in his providence, meaning that it is by his design and it is under his control. He designed it and he is in control of it. And never once does he take his hands off of the wheel. I hope that this in some way helps, that this in some way blesses, and that this in some way encourages. Until next week, you all be blessed.